Welcome to the Collecting Confidence Podcast, where we'll explore confidence, what it is, why we need it, how we get it, and how we lose it. I'm John Barrett. Thanks for joining me today on Collecting Confidence. Today we're going to be talking to Paul Kelly, but before we do that, I'd like to share a story that I've had about Collecting Confidence. That was back when I started my own company, Dynamic Directions. Along with two other people from the University of Minnesota, we set out to make a workbook and a video for high school athletes who wanted to be recruited by colleges. I didn't know a lot about the recruiting process, so one of the people in our group was a recruiting person from the University of Minnesota, And she gave us all kinds of insight on what the problems were. Then it was our job to figure out how to solve it. And we thought that a workbook and a video would be the perfect solution. I'd worked in television, so putting together a video was not going to be a big problem. The entire task of putting together a company and putting a product out was daunting. But we took it step by step. And we researched and we learned. We studied The first thing we did was we filed the paperwork to become officially a company. As we went forward, we sat down and wrote out what the chapters of the workbook should include, what was needed. Then we started writing those chapters, and then we found someone to do the artwork for it, each step a little bit more, a little bit more confident that this would work. Overall, we didn't think it was going to work because it was such a big project. We found some people who were willing to help us with the videotaping. We found some on-air talent who had some downtime and was willing to be the person on the video. And we threw this all together and it worked very well. And we succeeded eventually because we continued. We kept trying. We kept taking those steps. It's not one big step. It's a lot of small steps. And you just keep taking them. You keep finding ways to take that next step. And if you can't figure it out, you go to someone and you ask them, what should I do next? You get a mentor, but you move forward. It's easy to say, oh, I don't want to stick my neck out. I don't want to try. But you have to. You have to try. And that's how you build up your confidence. We looked at the big picture and we were a little bit afraid. But as we took each of the small steps, we were able to make improvements and able to continue. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about taking those small steps and getting that success and moving forward. That success in one area breeds success in another. Gives you the confidence to try, which is really the important part of it. We'll be back in just a minute with Paul Kelly, and we'll start Collecting Confidence. Thanks for listening to the Collecting Confidence Podcast. It's my belief that everyone has experience with confidence, and we either have the trophies or the scars to show for it. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and maybe share with a friend who needs to hear this. If you have suggestions for the show, topics you'd like to hear covered, questions you'd like to have addressed, or if you just want to shoot me a line, you can go to the Collecting Confidence Facebook page or contact me directly at collectingconfidence at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you. Now let's go collect confidence. Joining me today is Paul Kelly, a retired teacher with 40 years of experience coaching and teaching in the Minnesota schools. Thanks for joining me today, Paul. Thanks for having me. I want to talk a little bit about collecting confidence and just confidence in general. What does confidence mean to you? 
Oh, I don't know. You can probably go to a dictionary definition. I think confidence just means the thought that you can get this done. How about what does a confident person look like to you? When you see someone, can you tell if they're confident? Um, yes and no at times. And some people are confident with no good re reason to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Confidence without competency. Yes. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's all situation dependent. You look at Aaron Rodgers, 50 yards to go with two minutes left in the game. You can tell he's confident he's going to get that touchdown. But in other cases, in many cases, I don't think you can. And if you were to think of someone who is a very confident person, does anyone leap to mind and you just go, wow, that is a confident person? I often just go to athletes in terms of confidence. Clearly, the people who have made it to the top have to have an incredible amount of self-confidence. So if you're looking at your NFL players, your, you know, your Division I college players, you know, it, it's pretty clear they have to have it in order to get where they are. Right, to stand in the pocket while that rush is coming in and knowing that your receiver will probably be open in a split second. Yeah, or that receiver who knows exactly where he's going. He knows he's going to be open by two yards and he expects the ball. How about as a teacher? Have you seen students come in who are confident or students who aren't confident? And have you seen them collect confidence throughout their years? I taught math for 32 years and there is a good reason it gets the bad press that it does at times because people amen people don't feel confident in their math ability and i saw that as one of my main jobs one of my main duties as a math teacher is to help them get that confidence i i was very active in nctm national council of teachers of mathematics one of the, the big deals in NCTM is that everyone can learn significant mathematics. Now, significant mathematics is going to differ depending on the individual. It doesn't necessarily mean everyone's going to get through calculus in high school. Many people have great successful careers and lives and will never ever see the inside of a calculus classroom, and that's great. So significant math is going to be different depending on the individual, but I have to believe that as a math teacher. I have to believe that everyone can learn math. And if I don't, someone can legitimately say, okay, you, you pick out the parent that you're going to tell, look in the eyes and tell your kid can't learn math. Okay, so I have to believe that. Well, if I believe it about math, I also have to believe it about other areas. I have to believe that within me is a musician. The, the piece that I go back to all the time is everyone can learn math provided two things happen. Number one, you give it 100%. And number two, you have a qualified, dedicated teacher to help you. Well, and the same thing is true with me. I, I started playing drums in my mid-40s. I wasn't great at it, but I was getting better. And I got to the point where I could play along with some rock and roll songs, and that made me feel good, and that gave me some confidence. Having success at smaller pieces, beginning pieces, and then moving on to have more success. So you have confidence in your students, perhaps more confidence than they have in themselves. How do you transfer that confidence to them and bolster their confidence? 
It's uh, it, like in athletics. I, I was also, I, I never taught FIAD, but I, that was my first degree as a, as a licensed PE teacher. And progressions are, are the most important thing in physical activities. As a volleyball coach, you don't start off um, setting someone and expecting they're going to be able to do a perfect spike approach, footwork, arm swing, follow through. You're going to break it down. You're going to start with just the footwork and just the last two steps. Boom, boom. And then once they've got that down, you add the step before that. So it's boom, boom, boom. And, and you just keep on doing it in, in small progressive steps. What other areas have you seen people that didn't have confidence that were able to slowly collect confidence along the way? For instance, my daughter, Erin. She was always, you know, she's always a great athlete, but never realized that she had a great athletic ability um, for a long time. And she, her junior year in high school, she played lacrosse for the first time. At the end of her junior year, well, at the end of every season, there was a basically a state all-star game. And her coach said, hey, I've nominated you to play it. Actually, he came to me first, said, do you think Aaron would be interested? I said, well, I, I do, but I know what her first response would be. Her first response would be, gosh, I'm not good enough. And he kind of said, well, no, that's not true. She, she is clearly good enough, and that's why we're nominating her. So he kind of prepped himself for that. And when he asked her, hey, would you be interested in this? He didn't even give her a chance to respond. He said, you belong there. This, there's a reason that you're doing this. So fast forward a year to her senior year as she's applying to schools and writing essays and things like that, that was one of the things she mentioned, that I didn't have a lot of confidence in my ability until my coach mentioned this to me. Why do we let that inner voice have so much power over our confidence? Well, if you or I had the answer to that, we wouldn't be sitting here. We would be on our fourth book tour. I, I don't know. I think I don't, human nature, I think success in one area often breeds success in other areas that, hey, I, I have the confidence to do this, maybe I can do this as well. Maybe I can go to another field and do the same thing. Lolo Jones, I don't know if you remember her, the hurdler, Olympic hurdler. All of a sudden, she decided, hey, I like bobsledding. Maybe I'll try that. Lo and behold, lo and behold, you know, Lolo. <laughs> nice. Lo and behold, she's now an Olympic bobsledder as well. And clearly part of that is that she's a great athlete to begin with, but I think probably the confidence in her hurdling transferred to my sprinting ability, my strength, my power. I can do this on the bobsled track too. Do you think that we sometimes shoot ourselves in the foot or hurt our own confidence by comparing ourselves to others? Oh, constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And I deal with that. I dealt with that in the classroom also with my honors classes. I would often say, hey, you know, look around. You're in a class with a lot of kids who have had success in math. And sometimes you think, oh my gosh, I'm the only one who doesn't understand this stuff. Everyone else in this room understands it but me. No. If, if you're feeling that way, you know what? There are a dozen kids in the room with the same thought. And you just got to realize I'm going to work through it. I'm going to get some help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and I can do this. I sometimes think that we put those ideas out there that aren't actual, but we, in our own minds, say, oh, yeah, this is how it must be. And I, I see that on Facebook all the time when we see people only posting the wonderful things that are going on. And I sometimes 
feel as a theater arts major, I sometimes feel that we assume what the audience was thinking, or they must not have liked that, or they must not have believed that. Why do we do that? Why do we allow other people's thoughts into our into our minds, and then and then we sculpt those into whatever we want, and then we do it negatively? I have no idea why. I know it happens. I don't know why. Do you have any suggestions for how to avoid or get past that? Stay off social media. Realize, yeah, and, and I don't know. It, it's it's easy to say because I'm I'm. I don't have a lot of experience with that other than, okay, well, I've never played the drums before. I've never been a musician before, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Just realize, you know, okay, if it, if, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, try something else. Have a backup I plan. I don't know if that, if that, if that answered the question or not. I don't know if that- I, Again, if we could answer the question, we'd probably be on our book tour. What about a time where you lacked confidence and were able to go through some steps and collect confidence along the way? My junior year in high school, we were at a track meet in Richfield, the Spartan Invitational. I was running the sprint medley, and that's 200, 200, 400, 800. And I was the anchor man, I was the 800. And Armstrong at the time had outstanding distance runners. And there was a, as, as the, the 400 man got the baton, I get on the track and I'm waiting for him to come around and hand off to me. And I look at the Armstrong kid next to me, probably four inches taller than me, sculpted, had a beard. I'm thinking, oh crap, you know, if I, if I don't get the baton with a 15 yard lead, I'm done. And he and I got the baton about the same time. It ended up that, that we won the race. So he didn't blow me away like I thought he was going to. I kind of held my own with him. And, and, and that one race in particular really sparked some, some confidence in me. What about the, and I, I see this a lot where I see that public speaking is a big fear that people have, but two and three-year-olds have no trouble speaking out in the middle of church and ranting and raving. And at some point we squash that. How do we get past the part where they've taken away our inhibition and made it difficult for us to do what we might enjoy doing? Well, I think part of that is societal. You can give some leeway to the two-year-old who shouts out in church. You're not going to give the same leeway to the 24-year-old who, who shouts out in church. But the same thing is true in education. Man, you look in kindergarten and first grade and you, as a teacher, you ask a question, you've got 25 kids with their hands up. Ooh, 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 pick me. Go to your average middle school classroom or high school classroom, you're, you're not going to see that. And I don't know how, but somewhere in that time frame, I don't know if it's just not cool to raise, raise your hand and say you know it. I don't know if, if, if something squashed it. Like you said, I, I, again, I spent a lot of my career trying to answer that question, and I still don't have it. What are the things that impact students? What are the things that are impacting them both positive and negatively for their confidence? I have a colleague at lunch one day, just out of the blue, we were talking about students and he said, if they didn't get it the first time I taught it, they're just not working hard enough. Yeah, yeah, oh. a, 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 a teacher actually said that. If they didn't get it the first time I taught it, they're just not working hard enough. And that can't, kind of an attitude can't help but be transferred to his students. Here I am, really smart. I'm wearing a tie. 
If you don't get it, it's your fault. Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, every, if you've got 32 students in the classroom, they're going to have 32 different learning styles. And you got to try to hit as many of them as you can every day. You know, lecture works for some kids, but it works for 15 seconds for others. Hands-on stuff is great for some kids and not necessarily as great for others. So you got to mix things up all the time. Very often we do it to the students. I don't know that anyone does it on purpose, but my gosh, if they didn't get it the first time I taught it, they're not working hard enough. There's a lot of things I don't get the first time. Most things I don't get the first time. Right. And practice does give you confidence. Yes, it does. What about areas in your life where you're still not confident? If you can share any of that and what are you doing to try to get past that? <laughs> well, my, my singing ability. Um... <laughs> and don't feel you have to share it with us right now. You're singing. No, no, I'd like to. Okay. I'm choosing <laughs> Aria number four from Vivaldi's. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, going back to that first part of the conversation, I never thought I was a musician, but I started drumming and I got serviceable. I wouldn't go on stage with any band, but I was confident enough that I could play along with particular rock songs and, and do fine. I think there is an artist in me. And again, that depends on how you define art, but I, I don't know that I could do a great job painting or with watercolors or, or sketching or anything or, or sculpting, but if you, if you think photography is an art, then I'm, I'm kind of proud of some of the photographs that I've put out online. And so I think there's the, we have the ability to do all of this stuff if we can give it an effort and if we have some, something to follow, some kind of a teaching piece to follow. Well, you bring up an interesting point, which is the subjectiveness of art as a theater arts major you're always at the whim of someone else who says either that was good or that was bad and it's their opinion and in the same way we run into that with people deciding that you sing well or you dress funny or whatever it is sports there are a lot of sports where it's very subjective i was a gymnast and in gymnastics it's kind of up to the judge and whether that was good or bad we put a lot of power into those people that are subjectively looking at us and saying good or bad. What can we do to combat that? When you were talking, I kind of mentally went to a, a different place where we had a, a discussion a few years back among our family and, and extended family and friends about what is a sport. And there are people who, and I don't know if they meant it because my brother sometimes you know, we'll take an opposite opinion just for the heck of it and, and try to, to but he, he wasn't part of this, but um, someone else in the group said, well, if it's judged, it's not a sport. If, you know, the diving, gymnastics, um, he said, those aren't sports because they're judged. You have to have clear cut winners, objective. I, I think you're wrong, but that's where my, my head went while you will, you're in the middle of the question. You asked how, how we can combat that. How do we get past that? Because we put a lot of power in what those judges say. And there are judges within the community as well who will look at you and say you are or aren't a good person, you do or don't have a nice house, you drive a bad car, whatever. For example, look at the New York Times. They're theater critics. If they give a bad review to a particular play, that play is going to close in a week. Why? How in the world did they ever get that power? And how many 
dozens of people's lives and careers are affected by that four inch column in, this, in the New York Times. Yeah, they have too much power. How do you take it back? I don't know. I don't know because a lot of people are going to look at that review and that will determine whether they see the show or not. If we look at one of your passions, you like taking pictures. Can you share that website? Yeah, it's paulkellyphoto.com, K-E-L-L-E-Y, paulkellyphoto.com. And have you ever entered the photos in contests? I've submitted a couple to the State Fair, the Fine Arts Competition, in 2018 and 2019. I submitted one. Neither was chosen. That's okay. That's nice. See? I'll probably I'll probably do it again in 21, assuming we're going to have a state fair in 21. Knock on wood. What about the photos? Now, you weren't a photographer all of your life. How did you collect the confidence and the skills to do that, the competency and confidence? I just like taking pictures. I enjoy it. I've always liked it. I didn't, you know, it, I think I mentioned to you a while back that it was, it was your son who actually gave me the impetus to, to, to go ahead and put this out on the web, your son, Matthew. When he was at our house one time, he looked at a few of my photographs and said, gosh, you took these? He said, they, they look like they were professionally done. And, you know, that brings us back to the, one of the first things I said when we, in, our, in our conversation just now, words matter. You know, he didn't come to our house with the intent that he was going to give me a compliment. He didn't come to our house with the intent that he was going to significantly affect one of my hobbies, but that's what happened. Can you tell that story about words matter? So do you have a story that you can share with us about how words matter? (laughs) In the spring of every year, our school holds an induction ceremony for new members of National Honor Society. And students have to have a particular GPA and they have to show leadership qualities and, and character and, and all of that gets, gets put into it. One neat thing about that is that they get to choose some educator from their career, from their history. And it might be a teacher, it might be a coach, it might be just a mentor. They choose that person as their honored educator and that person gets invited to the ceremony and they nice, write a nice little letter and One year, I got one from a student who was in my honors geometry class as a freshman. She chose me. She honored me as her honored educator. Really cool. And she wrote in this note that when she was a freshman, she wanted to drop the honors geometry class. She didn't think she could do it. She didn't think she could handle it. And um, she said that I talked to Mr. Kelly uh, after class one day, and he commented that he thought I could do it. Uh, He had confidence in me. He, he thought, I, you know, I, I obviously had the ability or no one would have recommended me for this course, but he, he, he talked me through it and, and I stayed in and that's why she honored me. And, and I had to think very hard to remember that conversation. And I did remember it, but, you know, it was always just one of those things that you do on a daily basis. Those words that I used mattered to her. As we were growing up, we had a lot of people talking to us saying words, and I can remember quite a few people telling me things that had a huge impact on me as I went forward. Can you think of things in your youth, a time when someone perhaps said something to you, either encouraging or tearing you down? Yeah, the negative piece 
<laughs> it came from a teacher, in fact. I was at St. Rose of Lima in sixth grade, and my teacher was constantly discouraging me. Her, her tagline uh, used about once a week was, Kelly, you're such a drip. And I didn't understand at the time that these nuns weren't trained teachers. I didn't understand that they didn't particularly want to be in the classroom. All I understood at the time was, here's my teacher calling me a drip. And when I would go home and talk to my folks about it, their immediate questions, well, what did you do to cause her to say that? Nothing that I know of, but apparently I did something. I don't know. I, I'm sure that probably had some, uh, some effect on my self-confidence. I don't know, but it stayed with me. I got a lot of John has all the tools, but does not apply himself. Ah. Any last tips that you have that you could share with us on confidence, on collecting confidence? How, how can people collect confidence? I think a lot of it is just starting small, starting with small things and realizing you can do it. You know, I, I was never very good at, I shouldn't say that I was never very good at. I never had a lot of, and, and that's a lot of it. It's not, I'm not good at this. It's just, I don't have experience doing this. I didn't have a lot of experience working with hand tools and doing construction type projects until we bought this house. And a friend of mine, another math teacher from Anoka, worked forever in the summers as in construction. And I said, hey, can you help me finish our basement? And sure, he agreed to it. And it started off with him doing a bunch of it and me watching and helping. And then it gradually morphed to the opposite. I, I, I'm sure I knew it at the time, but looking back on it, that was certainly intentional on his part. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off doing this and you're going to learn and then you're going to start doing more and you're going to start doing more. And so I think as you do things a little at a time and have success, then you have the confidence to continue to do more complex things, et cetera, et cetera. Excellent. Well, thank you for being here today. Thank you for sharing your stories. My pleasure. I appreciate your having me on. So today's tip for collecting confidence is to conquer your big challenges by starting with small steps. This has been the Collecting Confidence Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm John Barrett.